This is the Local Hearted Podcast, episode number seven. Welcome to the Local Hearted Podcast. I'm Meredith Adler, and I am your host. Join me as we get to know the people who create the wide variety of art in Asheville and in the mountain counties of Western North Carolina. We'll also talk with some of the people who create opportunities for our local artists and help them shine. My guest this week is Black Mountain, North Carolina artist and art teacher, Lorel Bacon. Lorel works with many art mediums, and she teaches at various venues in Asheville, other parts of Western North Carolina, and nationally. She has been a mentor to many budding artists, and her love of teaching shines through during this interview. It is so hard to believe that this very active artist is 75 years old, but she says so in the interview, so I think it's okay to tell you here. She is still painting murals, and you will see a photo of her painting murals if you go to localhearted.com. Highlights from this show include Laurel's opinion about having a set style with one art medium, and as a hint, As I said, she prefers to use many mediums. How teaching art has improved Laurel's own work. How so many years of teaching have brought Laurel to the conclusion that anyone can create art. A discussion of Laurel's view that the subject, quote, tells her what art medium to use. The importance for an artist of being involved in community with other artists how one local art group is helping to revive the small western North Carolina town of Old Fort, how an accident and a comment from a doctor gave Laurel her start as an art teacher, and examples of how Laurel has personally seen art transform the lives of her students. On a personal note, Laurel Bacon was my first art teacher. And I am so thrilled to be able to bring to you the interview of this wonderful woman. Please join me in welcoming Laurel Bacon. I am with Laurel Bacon at the Arrowhead Art Gallery and Studios, where she has her own art studio. And Laurel, thank you so much for being with me today and welcoming me here. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate your coming. Thank you. I am, oh, here goes a train. I am really thrilled to be here, and I feel like it's such an honor to talk to you. And um, as you know, I'm not telling you anything new, but for the listener's sake, you are the person who gave me my start in art. And you have been my teacher. I've taken classes with you. I've taken various workshops with you and always learn so much when I'm with you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for all you have done. Well, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy sharing with other people and try to help them avoid some of the mistakes that I made because I am a self-taught artist. So Mm. (laughs) it, it really inspires me to watch the growth in the students too. Uh-huh, yeah. neat. So can you tell us how you decided to start teaching yourself art, how that came about? <laughs> okay, well, let's see. Um, when I was about 50 years old, mm-hmm. I took art up for the first time. And other than crafts, as I was growing up and when my children were growing up, And so I'd been painting about two years, just dabbling in it as a hobby when I had a car accident and got rear-ended, and I wasn't getting better. The doctor said, as long as you sit all day, you're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. And I was single at the time and working for the county in Florida, 
And um, I thought, well, how am I going to make a living? <laughs> you know, He said, well, I've seen some of your art. Why don't you teach? Which scared me to death. And I got to thinking about it. Well, I guess I know more than kids do. So I put notices around the neighborhood on the telephone poles. And I started out with four little boys in the garage. <laughs> that was my first teaching. So um, from there, I went to the local art league in, in Pinellas Park and asked if they needed anybody to, to teach children, and they said they did. So I started teaching classes. I had anywhere from 10 to 12 students in each class, and um, I added a second class. Then adults started asking, so I started teaching adults, and it just it wound up being a happy accident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sounds like it grew organically. You started yes. with children because you knew you were ahead of the game yeah. with children and, then... and you learn a lot by teaching oh you do can you say more about that yeah because um the way i teach most of the time the students work at their own pace um, using whatever medium they choose mm -hmm. and whatever subject they choose so therefore i don't just stand up in front of the group mm -hmm. and tell them what to do i'm always rotating from student to student so it has helped me to have a good eye for art because I have to recognize immediately if they're on the right track um, or what the issue might be that I, and I usually ask them a question to get them to thinking about it. Oh, well, check your value. What do you think about this? You know, that uh -huh. type of thing. Uh -huh. So, um, therefore, in my own work, I, I've learned to recognize things a lot quicker than I would have if I hadn't been teaching. Oh, yeah. from seeing so many pieces and having input into so many pieces. Yeah, well. and just the the process of ha quickly having to assess. Ah, gotcha. I think that's, that's the biggest part. And do you still yeah. do the rotation part the way you did when I was in class? Can you tell how you do that? I do um, for my weekly classes mm -hmm. and depending on the workshops that I also teach. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I will do that. So I want to, I stand up in front of the class with a workshop and we'll talk about, if it's a beginner's workshop, about the supplies and things like that. And then we'll start in with a piece and I might demonstrate a little bit on the easel. Mm -hmm. And then I'll walk around, make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But in the regular classes, like I say, everybody's working. I might have five or six different mediums going on in the right. same classroom and all different subjects. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I just can still do that. Okay. It I'm, works well. I'm going to ask outright because um, I was thinking about how in our class you you sat in a rolly chair, and that's how you, do you still do that? Still no, the reason I was sitting in a rolly chair back then, uh -huh. and hopefully I don't have to go back to that, <laughs> Right. but I was having um, some extreme issues with my back. Oh, okay. And so I had learned years ago before that, I had broken, that's another whole story, I had broken my ankle on my honeymoon, my second second marriage. And um, I still was teaching those same classes at that art center in Florida. And so in order to teach, mm -hmm. I got a rolling chair and rolled up and down. So uh -huh. then years later, like when I was teaching you, um, I, when my back was bothering me so much, bending over the table so much, uh -huh. I got a rolling chair and did the same thing. And it allowed me to continue teaching I through see. that. I see. Yeah. I had no idea that was going on. It's very effective. She would just roll from student to student, student, to student. and provide her feedback. Yeah. And uh, the class I was in, I remember, had um, children and adults. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that as much now. Mm -hmm. um, I was teaching a lot of homeschoolers back then, mm -hmm. so um, they would come to a lot of the classes because in the afternoons, homeschoolers generally get to take part in extracurricular activities that they're interested in. I see. And um, when I moved, had to move back to Texas with my husband's health declining, um, I turned my classes over to another artist who is still teaching those classes. But I um, kind of got away from teaching the homeschoolers and so forth. So when I came back here, almost seven years ago since I came back, um, and I had to start all over again. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and I didn't want to compete with the instructor I had turned my classes over to. Right. So it was basically starting over again. And so since then, it seems it's been mostly adults. So I'll get some teens once in a while, but I'm not doing an after-school class. Mm -hmm. So and that's um, what yeah had attracted some of those. Yes. Yeah. So will you talk about where you teach and how people sure. can find you? I, I am currently teach. I've cut back in January, first of all, to teaching my weekly classes just the first two weeks of each month. Okay. So um, I teach on Mondays mm -hmm. at 310 Art in Asheville in the River Arts District. Okay. And I teach two classes there, I t and they're three hours long, each of them. 9.30 to 12.30 is the first class, and 1 to 4 is the second class. Okay. And that is the oldest school, art school in the area. She's, oh. She just celebrated her 10th anniversary of oh. opening the school. Okay. And I've been part of it for about seven years now. So I've watched it grow and expand, and pretty amazing. They also have a very comprehensive encaustic program there. And I am now dabbling Along with all my other mediums, I am dabbling in <laughs> encaustics and setting up an encaustic station at home to work. Are you? Yes. You must like it. <laughs> I do. It's, it's a lot of fun. And um, then on Tuesdays, I teach um, here at Old Fort in, at the Arrowhead Gallery and Studios. Mm -hmm. And I have a morning class from 9.30 to 11.30. Okay. Thanks. Mm -hmm. but the workshops seem to be where I'm focusing the most energy now. Okay. And where do you teach those? Well, I do one a month as a rule at 310 uh -huh. Gallery. I do two or three a year here at Arrowhead. Okay. Um, I'm going in about a week and a half. I'll be heading to North Jefferson, North Carolina, uh -huh. and teaching at um, the Florence Thomas Art School up there. I'm teaching two workshops. Oh. Um, I am scheduled to go to Lake Toxaway this year and teach. I've been there four years in a row, so they've asked me back to teach another workshop and to do a demo at their meeting. Um, I also generally once a year go to Conistee Falls and teach. Um, I, am, I have gone the last three years to Naples, Florida and St. Petersburg, Florida in February and taught, and I've been invited to come back again. Oh. So in Naples, I've been teaching at an art teacher's studio. But this year, I'll be teaching at the museum. Mm -hmm. There in Naples, they've invited me. Uh, the Naples Art Association's home is in the museum, and they've invited me to come and teach two three-day workshops there. And while I'm there, Bonita Springs Art Center wants me to do a two-day workshop with them. So ah, okay. Gets and us out of the cold weather in North Carolina in February. Yes, you are a busy person. I am. Wow. So I can see why you cut back your weekly classes. So you, you need some time for yourself and your own. Yeah, and we're doing some traveling too. So yeah, yeah. going with an art group in October to Folly Beach. Nice. And we're going to paint every day. So that's going to be fun. Nice. That's a first for me. And of course now that um, I have a significant other in my life. We have his family and my family, many uh -huh. of whom live out of state. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we try to get up to visit, and we have four graduations this but year With this us. lifestyle, you're able to keep yourself flexible to yes. do the, those things. That's the good thing about working for yourself, because mm -hmm. I plan ahead. I have to plan six months out. Mm -hmm. sometimes a year <laughs> wow. but um, I fill in where we're, when we're going to be gone so then when I'm asked to do a workshop mm -hmm. I can look at my schedule and tell them when I'm available mm -hmm. right so works. set yeah. those guidelines for yeah. yourself good for you and you alluded to your many mediums <laughs> I feel like it would be great to talk about that okay well when I first started painting I started in oils. Mm -hmm. Everybody said, yeah, that's where to start. So that's what I did. And um, I avoided watercolor because everybody said it was so hard. Mm -hmm. So I probably painted for 10 years before I ever started with watercolor. I had dabbled a little with acrylic in between there, but mostly oils. And I'm, I'm known as a portrait artist, so most people have the impression 
that oil paintings last longer than other paintings, but mm -hmm. there's not a lot of truth in that. <laughs> but anyhow, so then I started, you know, different mediums. I, I did some pen and ink. Um, sometimes the subject dictates to me what medium it wants to be done in or what would look good done in. Uh, I've done, I do pastels, um, I do colored pencils, I'm dabbling in encaustics now, that's a, a new one, alcohol inks, I'm teaching some of those workshops. Um, I'm also teaching silk painting workshops. Mm -hmm. I am a member of the International Society of Scratchboard Artists, which you have to submit work to be accepted. Mm -hmm. um, they want to make sure the quality is up. And that organization is almost five years old, and I've been a member for four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And um, so Scratchboard is one of my favorite workshops to teach. Oh. It's um, one of the easiest for people to learn. It takes time to do it. But I've even taught homeschoolers eight years to, to 15 years old. How to do it. I did 32 homeschoolers one year. Wow. And that was their favorite medium out of the whole year I taught there. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that, that was good. But even people that think, oh, that just looks too hard, or they're the type that want to sit down and finish a picture in the class time. Uh, you can't usually do that with Scratchboard and do a good job. Mm -hmm. But if they try it, they're hooked. Mm -hmm. And they don't mind putting the extra time in mm -hmm. because it's a very effective uh, to reproduce and, and give as gifts and so forth. So I really enjoy doing the scratch board and I, just about any subject that you do in any other medium. Now the watercolor winds up, after all those years of avoiding it, being top towards the top of my list. Oils scratch board and watercolor are my three favorite mediums so so you I, came around yeah i've won i've won awards in all of them and uh yeah there's a lot of collectors out there both corporate and personal collectors that have my work that's great and i was going to say you're, you're not just a member of that um scratch board association but you've won some high I honors have. i'm very happy about that yes your work <laughs> yeah. is amazing Really amazing. One thing we haven't really talked about, but each uh, artist that I'm interviewing will have a page on my blog, and your art will be able to be displayed oh, there. So thank you. You'll be yeah, you'll be able to show your versatility yeah. and definitely let's include some of that. Well, you know, scratch board work. a lot of a lot of times people will say you need to focus on one medium, mm -hmm. especially a lot of galleries. Mm -hmm. They want to see a concise body of work in done in one medium, and that's mm -hmm. what that artist is known for. I tend to get bored easily, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I like a challenge. So I think that's one reason why I continually like to learn about new mediums and try them. And they're not all at the top of my list, mm -hmm. but... You, I find you learn something from them you can utilize in the mediums that you do work in. Mm -hmm. So I also encourage the students to to explore and, and take workshops from other instructors, too, because even if they just learn one thing mm -hmm. and they can add that to what they already know, mm -hmm. it helps them to go to their next level in art. Absolutely, absolutely. Or, you know, any art mm -hmm. book you read, if you can get just that one little nugget that you mm -hmm. can advance yourself with yeah yeah, yeah. And it makes a big me. difference it does mm. yeah you encouraged me to <laughs> borrow all your books when I was in class with you and yeah. each one had something even no matter what medium it was and I'm glad you brought this up I was going to ask you about the idea of having a recognizable style mm -hmm. um, which uh, it points to what you were saying about yeah um my style carries over, I think, in most mediums that I do. Mm -hmm. I'm known as a representative artist. I, I, I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. However, if I paint plain air, my style is much looser because you have to because of the sun and the changing and, you know, the shadows and everything. So I paint much looser. And in some pieces, when I look at them, 
I say, oh, I think I'm going to work on this one looser. It's easier for me to work in detail than it is to do loose. For some artists, it's easier for them to do something impressionistic than it is realistic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It's mm -hmm. just where your natural instincts take mm -hmm. you. So there's a thread that runs through yeah. your art, and your plein air work might look a little different. Yeah. Um, and then... Of course, you know, scratchboard is very tight. Mm -hmm. Most of my oil paintings are, and most of my watercolors are detailed. But then there's the exception to the rule, because I like to challenge myself every once in a while to leave the little brushes alone, get out those big brushes, there you and go. just have at it. You know? And those alcohol inks, alcohol. they make you loosen up, don't they? Oh, yes, because you don't have much control, though you, ha you can have a little more control than people think you can. Uh -huh. So, yeah. And maybe it would be good if I could ask you to explain, we've used the term plein air for, there might be sure. people who don't know. Sure. Um, plein air painting, it's a French term, and basically it means painting from life outdoors at location. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we've got a well-known uh, plein air painter, Cheryl Kiefer, that is going to be doing a workshop for us. Oh, uh, I believe that's next month in June. And um, I'm planning on taking it. I've done a lot of plein air painting, but she is the type of instructor that teaches to rule out when you're looking at something, all the unnecessary things. Mm, the simplification. Keep it simple, um, capture the mood. Mm -hmm. And so I've decided I want to take that workshop too. So, um, And then we've asked her to do another one in September because... We here at the gallery, one of the shows that we have is um, called Battle of the Brushes. And it's a three-day-long event where people have to paint somewhere within five-mile radius of Old Fort. Oh, cool. Plain air. And they bring in one or two pieces that are framed and ready to hang. The judge judges. We give out awards at a reception and they hang for sale for a month so she that's i think that will be good for her to come to come ahead of time for those people who never have done it or just want to brush up okay so, yeah give them a chance yeah. to participate yeah. in the there's no out. yeah there's no substitute for painting from life mm -hmm. agreed and um you know once you understand the depth and that if you work from photos, you have to put the depth back in, that the shadows aren't going to be true colors, that the colors will be a little off. Um, you can change it, but if you only have ever just worked from photographs, mm -hmm. then it, people will start to recognize, a judge will recognize right off if somebody just worked from a photograph, something unless, will, unless they have made those changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something will be missing if they haven't mm -hmm. had the experience. Yeah. 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 So, Battle of the Brushes, and when does that happen? That's in October. In October. Mm -hmm. I don't okay. have the exact dates, but anybody that wants more information could go to um, arrowheadart.org. Okay. And the whole list of all of the different workshops and the different shows, which are open to the public. Mm -hmm. um, Great. Will be listed there. Great, and maybe this is a good time to say what your website is, too. Oh, my website is very simple, www.laurelbacon.com. Very good. And it's L-O-R-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, and then Bacon, B-A-C-O-N. Right. Very good. Thanks. You're welcome. So will you be in the Battle of the Brushes this year? I am hoping to, though I will be out of town two weeks of that month. Uh. <laughs> so um, I have to have to see if I can juggle the schedules to accommodate that. Okay. Because I really enjoy it. I've been in it, let's see, four out of the five years that mm -hmm. they've done it. And you judged it and one the first, year. That right? was the year I wasn't in it because right. I couldn't be in it. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. And yeah. when you paint plein air, what medium do you go out with? I used to drag all my oils along. Mm -hmm. um, two years ago, I decided I'm going to take acrylics. One, it, ha mm -hmm. it dries faster, and it needed to be framed and hung the mm -hmm. next day. Right. <laughs> so uh, oils would still be wet. So I took the acrylic. And then um, last year, I did one acrylic, and I did one watercolor painting. Uh -huh. Now it started raining. <laughs> 
I was I was painting an old mill um, <laughs> by one of the rivers right near near here, and um, I got all set up in the right angle for this mill, and there was a bridge right there with the stream running through, and I was on the far not the far side, the close side of the bridge, um, and. I hadn't started 10 minutes and it started raining. <sighs> so I pulled my car over off the side of the road, this little narrow road there, and I climbed in, I took pictures of it as well, of the angle I wanted, and I climbed into the back seat of the car, <laughs> looking at the old mill and painted with the watercolors from my back seat. <laughs> yeah, these uh, paint outs and plein air, you have to be versatile. Go with and, the flow. Right, yeah. oh goodness, that's funny. Okay, and I am interested if you could say more about what you said about the subject matter tells you what medium it wants to be painted in. Well, for an example, um, there was this photograph of a baby, probably eight months old, seven, eight months old, that was just smiling and the big old cheeks and you look at it and it just made you laugh to look Aww. at her and I just had to paint her. And I thought, you know, I can get a softness with watercolor. Mm -hmm. So I would have chosen either watercolor or pastels. Mm -hmm. Not that it couldn't be done in acrylic or oils, but they tend to be easier to get that soft look. Mm -hmm. that I wanted to capture. So when I'm looking at a subject, first thing I do is why did this picture grab me? Mm -hmm. Why did this subject, whether I'm painting from life or I'm painting from a photo, what grabbed me about it? Is the lighting? Is it the color? Is it the subject? Is it the composition? You know, what is it that mm -hmm. grabs me? And I encourage my students to do that and to make a note and put it by right where they're working to remind them to stick to that because that's the emotion you want to put into your painting mm -hmm. because you can get carried away then while you're working into other directions. So um, most people, as I said, that want portraits want it done in oils. Um, and so, you know, I accommodate them with that. But sometimes I think, well, you know, that would have been looked better in such and such. So I always give them the option mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of other mediums too. Mm -hmm. um, the scratch board is ideal for animals. Mm, the fur. Because you can get that nice textured look of fur. Mm -hmm. You can get a soft look. You can get short hair, long hair easily, more readily than you can with paint, actually. And, um, but then after I did it for a while, I thought, I wonder if I can do a portrait with this too. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and I submitted that to the annual show that the um, society has. And I won an award of excellence, and it sold. So uh -huh. I thought, well, I guess I can do portraits. <laughs> <laughs> now you can. <laughs> yeah. So I have since dabbled and done interiors, still life. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've done just about every subject, uh, landscapes, that you, that you can with the scratch board, because I just want to see, can you do that? Yeah. But... Um, I think with animals especially, though, the, to address your question, it, a scratch board is a very good medium. Mm -hmm. um, my least favorite medium out of all mediums is oil pastels. Mm -hmm. I you tell me. just don't care for oil pastels. And I've given it the benefit of the doubt, and um, you know, I've sold a couple of pieces that were done with it, but I just, I guess it's because I'm detail-oriented. And it's hard to get detail uh -huh. with oil pastels. Uh -huh. Yes. So yes. Um, the class I just finished teaching at Ollie, which is, I also do workshops uh, at UNCA at this the uh -huh. Retirement um, Lifelong Learning Institute. And um, we just did pastels. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a fun medium to teach, too. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest piece I ever did in pastel was a commissioned portrait of a five-year-old girl. And um, her mother wanted it. I gave her the choice, and she actually was one of the few that chose pastels. And I thought it was a good choice because of the softness 
Mm-hmm. And this little girl was precious, and she had her long dress on and her little bare feet. Oh, of course, she couldn't pose, but I went and took two rolls of film uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then met with them, and they chose the pose they liked the best. But mm-hmm. that worked well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, um, I think it, one person could look at a picture and say, oh, that would look good done in this. Another person would look at it and have a totally different opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Or some people might go with the medium they work with and yeah but you exactly. have the ability to choose so what I'm curious what attracts you to a new medium like what made you decide to try the scratch board in the first place that's a good question um I believe if I remember correctly this has been about um, seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. I was in an art supply store and or ordering online at an art supply store. And I was ordering some other things and ran across it and thought, oh, well, I'll order. So I ordered just the basic, uh, it comes with one handle and two points and a, and a one blackboard. And I had it for a good while before I ever tried, tried uh-huh. anything on it. Uh-huh. But um, I liked the effect. I liked that it has strong contrasts. Mm-hmm. And that it reproduces well for prints and cards. Mm-hmm. Because when you, let's face it, when you're an artist, you're in the business, you have to make money. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't afford to buy an original. Right. So anytime you can have prints available mm-hmm. or cards available for them, um, it just kind of, you know, it does help. Right. Yeah. Helps you buy helps, your next medium. Yes. <laughs> helps me buy more. And it helps them because that they still get to take home something that, touch them enough to put part with their money. They love the image, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, your work gets around that way, too, it when does. people see it. I had somebody that contacted me last month. Um, they emailed me. And she said, she had a picture that she sent to me, and she said, is this one of your pieces? And it was. It was um, a piece I originally had done in miniature, three inches by five inches mm-hmm. of a beggar with his finger pointing and um, I called it Judge Not mm-hmm. and I liked it so well in miniature I wound up painting it 36 by 48 inches Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and a doctor from Tennessee had bought it well come to find out he, when he passed he had left this painting to his nephew who had always loved it and this was his nephew's wife that had contacted me to find out was I the artist and she wrote back and told me how much her husband had always loved that painting and that it was left to him and and that it hangs in their home so and that's been 20 years ago that's wonderful how do you think she found you on the internet on on your website yeah because back then though I was just signing my name Laurel Mm -hmm. and and when I first started painting it was Laurel Jukes and now it's Laurel Bacon. Oh, a different so, last name. So, yeah. yeah. So if somebody just puts in Laurel online, they'll get several. There's not a lot of us around, <laughs> but they'll get several. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how she found me. Yeah. Neat. I'm trying to think what else. It's such an opportunity to sit here with you. I'm trying to think what I have well, missed. One other thing, too, is students. I always love to hear from students from the past. Mm-hmm. There are still some students that contact me from when I was teaching in Florida, and that's been 30 years ago. Wow. And, you know, they're grown. They have children now. Um, I have students that are graduating from college now that started me when they were seven and eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I still hear from them or their parents periodically, and that's really nice. Um, it is. And them telling me how much it meant to them. Uh, you know, to do that. And are some of them still making art? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Um, two students stand out in my mind the most. Doug had muscular dystrophy. And he had started with another instructor in Florida. And she was very wise. She put a pulley attached to the ceiling, and they had weight on it and then put a Velcro band around his wrist Mm -hmm. because he didn't have any control. If he went to paint with the brush, it would just go Uh any which way. And he learned control by her doing that. 
And then she had, she was an elderly lady and she quit teaching. And the home he lived in came and asked me would I be willing to take Doug into my class. And they would bring him, the driver would bring him every week and wheel him in. And, and so Doug did some pretty remarkable work. And he had been with me about six months. And there was a woman with Downs that came with the driver, started coming and picking him up. Mm-hmm. And she said one day, I want to do that. Aww. And so she started Aww. into class. Well, we had shows fairly regularly there and started putting some of their pieces in the shows. And the judges did not know they were challenged. Oh, and they started wonderful. winning awards. And I get goosebumps uh. just thinking about them. But then there was a big art show. They have a lot of outdoor festivals in Florida. And in St. Petersburg, there was this big festival, and they asked Doug to be the featured artist, and they had a special tent for him. His work, he wanted me to come and be with him all day. And they had his work hanging all around. The radio station, TV stations came. And I remember one of them asking him, why do you paint? Hmm. And he stopped and he thought for a long minute. And he said, because it makes me happy. So mm, he was he him. was one that really touched me yeah. a lot. So he was with me for a good while. The other one that comes to mind, her name is Angel. And she was a sophomore in high school. And her mother came and asked me, she said, I'm at my wit's end. I have tried to get her involved in a number of different things, and she won't have any part of it. And her grades, she's failing in school. The kids make fun of her. She hates school. I hardly can get her to go. I need to find something she can feel good about herself about. And I said, sure. So she came, and within a month, she started loosening up. And when she realized she had a talent that she didn't know she had. Mm. And her work was pretty remarkable. The first art show that came up, she put her first piece in, and she won Best of Show. When she was a senior, the newspapers interviewed her and said, what advice would you give to other students who might be struggling in school? Mm -hmm. She said to find something they can have a passion about. Mm -hmm. She said, I found art. And she wound up graduating with honors, had scholarship offers to college. She went and she studied art. And it had turned her whole life around. She said, you know, she was really didn't know who she was before art. Mm -hmm. So those, those are two students that really stuck with me. It made such a huge difference yeah. for both of them, and you were a big part of that, it sounds well, it can, like. I, I really, truly believe everybody has the ability to do art. You hear a lot of times, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure. Well, that's what they make rulers for. <laughs> you know, there are ways of doing it. The problem is, one, they've either been told sometime, which I've had a number of students that tell me this, that in first grade, second grade, the teacher said they'd had no art artistic ability. Mm-hmm. So they just quit doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Had one lady literally come to me with her hands shaking into a class. She called me four times before she ever showed up for a class. And then she literally was shaking because she was afraid she was going to fail at it. She was a wonderful artist. But how many people do they say that to? that don't have enough of a desire to con- to work through that right, and make right. that jump, you know? So there's times you've had to and been successful at helping people overcome the voices from yes, the past. Yeah, but I think it can help anybody. I've had widows who said it was very helpful through their mm-hmm. grieving process uh-huh. because when you do art, you cannot think about other things. You're in another zone, mm-hmm. and you don't have any conscious um, awareness of time. In your right brain, your right brain is not critical of you. And I think those are some of the reasons that mm-hmm. it helps people. 
as well as um, I've had a number of ADD children whose parents said it had helped them in their schoolwork because mm-hmm. they learned to focus. Yes, more, absolutely. Concentrate more. Absolutely. But I really believe anybody can learn to do good work. It's just they can't jump in over their head. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they'll jump into a class and there's intermediates in advance and they sit there bewildered and then they don't want to try again. But if they can start with any teacher that's willing to take them from point A and gradually work them into it, mm-hmm. anybody them, can do it. Meet yeah. them where they are. Yeah. Start with them where they're exactly. at. Exactly. Like well, you that's, do. Yeah, I have in one class, I may have beginners, intermediates, and advanced students right. all in the same class. Right. And uh, so you have to you know, be flexible that way. And while we're talking about your students, I will say, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but you probably know this. When I first met you, you were in your booth painting at the Woolworth Walk, where <laughs> you had a booth years ago before, I know when you moved to Texas, you had yeah. a, you have to be local, so you had to give up your space there. But that is where I met you, and I had been toying with the idea of learning art, and then... You showed me the photo album you had of your students' work, and that is what convinced me to try it because I just couldn't believe how good, what amazing work your students were doing. And uh, that's what gave me the incentive and the courage to come to your class. Oh, that's awesome. I still have those books. You do? (laughs) I still have those books. I still take pictures of the students, and I'm very proud of them. Yeah, yeah. That. And you do, you've mentioned the shows that you've had, mm-hmm. that your students entered. You Are you still doing those? You're doing s- the venues where I'm teaching now um, don't have a separate show for students. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was teaching um, at in Black Mountain, at Black Mountain Center for the Arts before I had to move back to Texas, um, Every year we had one, and then I would also hold one about six months apart at the library mm-hmm. just for my students. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, where I'm teaching now, there's really not that act, that possibility to do it. But You do, I noticed, you do showcase some of your student work on your own website. I do, and I need to update it. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to update it. But, yes, um I'm I'm really proud of them, you know. It's uh, I I enjoy watching a student progress as much as I do painting myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to yeah. where this interview has gone. I think you've talked as much about, or if not more, about your teaching <laughs> as your own. I, I love it. I love doing it. I mean, I'm 75 in July, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> If I didn't love it, I wouldn't still be doing yes. it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and Such I don't—I don't see me ever retiring totally. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, you're loving what you do. I do. That's wonderful. I wish everybody could do that. That happy accident has brought me many years of of joy. Yes. Yes. And I just want to clarify: it was your doctor that suggested. Is that, that I teach. accurate? It was my doctor. Wow. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And is there anything else you would like to cover that we haven't covered? Maybe touching on um, what I feel is important for people. Artists, being an artist can be very solo, mm-hmm. very uh, because you're isolated mm-hmm. right. through doing your work. For me, I have found it beneficial to belong to art groups. Because then you're among like-minded people, and you encourage each other, mm-hmm. and you can help each other if you have a question about something. So I think I think if somebody plans on doing it, even as a part-time income, um, or they just feel like they're too isolated, that that might be a good solution for them. Mm-hmm. And getting involved um, with the art organizations... Our, our organization here, uh, through the gallery, um, we're helping to revive. We're helping to revive a little town. We see the possibilities there. We donate a lot of hours to volunteer work. Everybody that hangs in the gallery that chooses to sit, if they gallery sit, 
because it's all volunteer sitters that we have keeps the door open um, they when they have a sale there's a lesser percentage so that re, you know helps them out that way and it helps to keep the doors open mm-hmm. but um, it's it's just the camaraderie and the I think what word I'm looking for the focus we have a similar focus many of us have this similar focus of wanting to see something good happen to a town where the factories have closed and a lot of the buildings were shut down and we're starting to really see in the last couple of years it come back to life and the people in the town come in and they tell us we're so glad you're here and thank you for everything you're doing in town and one lady even said you know I was raised here I can take pride in my town once again awesome you know I mean so that that's the kind of paybacks we get, mm-hmm. but also by working together, um, I think it really is beneficial. So anybody out there that uh, feels isolated, there's a place for you where you can feel at home. Yeah, and now I want to go down two different directions. So first one, will you talk more about um, what this group is about and then what other groups are you involved with locally? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um this group is Arrowhead Artisan Artisans League that formed six years ago. And they had, um, after about three years of holding once a month, they called them Art Smarts, mm-hmm. um, at the depot where people would come and they'd set up their things and the uh, public would come and view them and, and have some sales and all. They decided it would be nice to have a place where the work could be displayed all the time. Mm-hmm. And also to um, help to educate the public uh, about art. Because let's face it, most people do not know what goes into making a piece of art and how long it takes and how many years it takes to get the knowledge to be able to create what they look at. Right. Okay. Right. And so um, we've done that. And then we've done, to help in the town, we did a series of murals uh, that are hanging around. Mm-hmm. businesses in town and a big mural on a wall across from the gallery and in July I'm scheduled to do another one this one's not volunteer so any murals from now on the league and the artist will make some money from nice, nice. and um, which is which will be beneficial we want to keep our doors open <laughs> we've um, I'm in charge of education so I schedule all the workshops with the different teachers for the different teachers to do here. And it's nice to watch um, the, the people in our community come in and enjoy and take part in those. We have a free program also for second Sunday from 2 to 4. The public is welcome to come and it's free. And we have a volunteer teacher that teaches for two hours and they take home a finished painting with them. Aww. And after two times of coming, we they can still come for free. We just ask they bring their own supplies with them then. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those guided paintings? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Follow along. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So everybody takes home a painting they can be proud of. Right. So we're doing that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other things with the next project that we're planning. And um, we're waiting on the approval, but we, we're pretty confident they're going to say yes. There's about 30 flower, big cement flower pots around town that the town had gotten a number of years ago from a, with a grant. And we're going to paint, paint. Each artist is going to take one mm-hmm. and paint it ah. and brighten it up instead of being gray cement. So those will be all over town, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's it's been good. And then... After we were open for a year and a half, we took in another aspect. So we now have 4,300 square feet in the gallery, the teaching areas, and our annex gallery where we have changing exhibits each month that are open to the public to come and mm-hmm. take part in as well. So this is the one I'm the most active with, this okay. group. Okay. As you can tell, yes. it takes a lot of hours. Yes. Um, I'm also the vice president of the league for another year. <laughs> and... Um, I'm also a member of the Swannanoa Valley Fine Arts League in Black Mountain, which is where I live. And um, I taught there for the last six years. I have recently stopped teaching there be- 
because I've got so many other things going. But I'm periodically going to do workshops there mm -hmm. and still take part in some of their shows. Mm -hmm. I currently have work through them at the Monte Vista Hotel, mm -hmm. which every three months they invite five or six artists to submit their work to hang there at the Monte Vista. And is it hanging there for sale or mm -hmm. is it for view? Yes. For mm -hmm. sale. Yes. Okay. And um, then I'm also a big part of 310 art in uh, the River Arts District of Asheville. Mm -hmm. um, my home away from home. <laughs> I'm over there a lot, and uh, my work hangs there, too, for sale. And um, it's uh, a very vibrant, active place to be. Mm -hmm. And um, Fleeta Monaghan is the owner, and she's a very good artist. She's also very good at marketing. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to be a part of that group as well. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, okay, another art group I'm involved with is the Lake Lure Art League, I believe is how they call themselves. But um, it's a really uh, interesting group. A lot of variety in what the artists do. Um, they meet twice a month, and they take turns usually meeting in each other's homes. Oh. And they'll have... Um, catch up on what everybody's been doing. They'll bring, ask you to bring samples of what you've been working on, um, any art shows you've been in. And a lot of times they'll have a little exercise um, where you can make something or ah. do something while you're there. Nice. Um, so it, it's a lot of fun. They'll do field trips and different things with the group. And uh, they've got anything from an iconic artist to photographers to woodworkers and a white variety and they have a show every year uh, right there in Lake Lure. Oh great, great. So that sounds like an intimate setting, meeting in people's yes, homes. Yes, it is. Very nice and they, some of them I think try to outdo each other as to what refreshments they'll uh, have because they meet at 9.30 in the morning. They'll usually have, you know, breakfast type uh, but some of them are excellent cooks. Oh, great. <laughs> so we always look forward to seeing what they have to offer. And um, many times they have to meet in carpool because some of them live in not real convenient places to get to. <laughs> uh -huh. Or to park, <laughs> yes, probably. Yes, parking right? is an issue. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they're, they're a real friendly, nice group. And I was invited to join them when I was living in a little cabin out um, between Old Fort and Lake Lure. Okay. For six months out of each year, I, I went to this cabin for two years. And one of the ladies that lived nearby there was a member, and it was her turn to host. And she was hosting it there on the property at a waterfall. And she asked me, why don't you come? So that's how I got introduced to the group and became a member, and that's been Great. probably eight years ago, I guess. Great. And is that an open group, or is it by invitation? It's by invitation. By invitation. Mm -hmm. By okay. invitation, Thanks. yes. All right. And do they have a website? I don't believe so, don't but they, so. Um, Verlin Cox sends out all the updates, and if you have any news that you want her to send, she'll just send it to the whole group for you. Okay. So uh, okay. You know, they keep in touch with each other pretty, pretty closely. And the shows they have are open to the public? The shows are open to the public. They're, they're usually held right there in town. And, okay, and, uh, great. I haven't rejoined any of the miniature groups. I, for many years I was a member of a lot of miniature art groups, but only because I haven't had time <laughs> to mm. paint any miniatures. <laughs> but well, maybe one day, maybe one day when I'm old and gray, grayer. <laughs> you'll work small. Maybe. Might be harder on maybe. the eyes. <laughs> That's what magnifying glasses ah, and lights are for. Gotcha. I notice I've got them sitting right here on my <laughs> desk. <laughs> What um, the miniature groups? Are there any of those locally, or those no, were no, national? No, they they're national and um, also overseas too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of a lot of miniature organizations. It's pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you did mention I'm getting a little off topic, but when we set up this appointment, you mentioned that a lot of your paintings would be out of your studio. They are. <laughs> Can you explain that? This, I can. This is a very well, prolific painter we're talking to. The I have, um, I think they took eight or nine of my pieces are, and they're 16 by 20 and bigger, mm -hmm. um, are at the Monte Vista, so they're not in the gallery. 
Um, and there's also at Flita's uh, 310 Gallery, I, I mean 310 Art, um, I have probably 10 or 12 pieces there. Uh, the pile that you're seeing right here <laughs> mm -hmm. are set to go to um, Mayhack. Oh. Um, so, nice. and they're going to hang there for three months. Great. So I'm sorting through and trying to gather together the ones that are going to be going there. Nice. Yeah. Many so, venues. Many, many venues. And I just wish I could live to be 150. <laughs> I'll never, get, you can. I'll never get everything done I want to do. <laughs> uh, what would be, like, do you have things in the hopper, things oh, yes. on deck that you are? Yeah, there's a couple of series, and um, one of the series is titled, I've already titled it. I've only got two of the 13 done, but I've already designated <laughs> which 13 paintings are going to be in this series. But it's called um, Emotions. And each painting is a different human emotion done in black and white with a splash of color in each one. And so I've got, I never can say this word, forever, F-R-E-V-O-R, forever. Anyhow, it's, it's an <laughs> aborigine in the middle of dancing one of these dances, with, and it's just the emotion that emotes from it. Um, another one I've done is of a, a little toddler reaching up to kiss a old man that's dying in bed oh. and the interaction between the two of them. Um, I'm going to do one of somebody with Alzheimer's, uh, just ones that touch me. So I'm going to do that series. Another series that I've got the list again there's like 12 15 of those is it more of a spiritual series of of spiritual um experiences that i've gone through over the years so no shortage of ideas oh, never. on your part never <laughs> my list is lists are very long yeah yeah, yeah. but i think that's what, a pet peeve of mine is anyone who says they're bored Mm. There is so much out there for people to learn or to help with. Um, if they're bored, go do some volunteer work, you know, mm -hmm. get your mind off self and, and go do something that mm -hmm. can help somebody. Yeah, you know? great advice. Yeah. Great. And that brings me to another part of the avenue I wanted to walk down um, when you started talking about the town of Old Fort. Will you tell about how you included the children in the mural project? <laughs> Part of what we do is we have an outreach with the elementary school in Old Fort. McDowell County is a very poor county, and um, the teachers, especially the art teachers, all the teachers need help, but art supplies can be expensive, and they don't have the wherewithal. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we do is we gather um, and we put it in our newsletter, <laughs> every month that um, we will accept any art supplies any artists are no longer using and then we donate those and take them up to the school we have um, one lady in particular that is a member that is a liaison between the school and then when we started the mural project in town we were trying to think how we could get the children involved so we took photographs of what we call the seven wonders of old fort <laughs> to the school, and the art teacher let them choose which ones they wanted to, to draw or paint. And then we gathered them together and chose one out of each of the seven categories. And we held uh, an assembly and gave awards and prizes to the winners, and their parents came, and it was just a nice, happy day. Mm -hmm. And so... And then we as artists, we each were assigned a six-foot by eight-foot panel to paint one of the wonders and use that child's drawing as a guide. Uh. So when they were completed, they're hung on buildings throughout town, and plaques were hung. We had opening ceremony as each one was hung, and the, the children and their parents and whoever wanted to come, and the chamber president and the um, visitors... Uh, bureau uh, director would all come 
and we would give a certificate to the artist and to the child, mm -hmm. and a plaque was hung next to the painting with both their names on it. Yeah. What an uplifting thing that yeah. must have been for oh, those children. Oh, it just thrilled them to death. They came mm -hmm. by, some of them came by while we were working on them. I mean, we could only work on a couple at a time uh -huh. uh, in the, the back hall of the gallery and hung them on the wall, you know, uh -huh. and use ladders going up and down. <laughs> and they would come and they would say, oh, that's mine. You know, they were so excited. It what was great. The impact that they it had. It was so great. Yeah, yeah. that is wonderful. Yeah. And the other thing about what you did and are doing here is really give, giving people such a good impression of what an artist is. And oh. that isn't, you know, I think always the case in people's minds. You know, I don't people think people don't really... stop to think about it very often. Yeah. You know, they think we just hold ourselves up in our studios and mm -hmm. paint, 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 paint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when right. half the time in our studios is... is laying out and thinking about what we want to paint and planning it but mm -hmm. also I think it's important to to be involved mm -hmm. yeah yeah sounds like your group has done quite a bit in that department we're so. proud of of this organization yeah yeah $25 a year to join. People get a web page. I mean, right. Right. <laughs> we're not out to to make a lot of money we just you know want to help to support the artists in the area. Yeah, that is great. So it's it's not limited to just Old Fort artists. Um, anybody in the region that's at all interested can, yeah. can join us. And let's encourage people, too, to come down and see this beautiful gallery. I, I mean, that's what that. I'm going to do if it's still open when we're done talking. It's oh, yeah. So much we're to see here. We're open till 6. Okay. Yeah. Only day we're closed through most of the year is uh, we're closed on Mondays. Okay. Got gotcha. 10, 10 to 6. Got a lot of gallery sitters, huh? Yeah, we do. Some have to do double or triple duty, but mm -hmm. <laughs> we make sure the door is open. Yeah. It's great to have such an active group. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> so, Laurel, anything else you would like to include? I think we've covered a lot. Some things I haven't thought about in a while. <laughs> well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I will look at your work, and together we'll pick some pieces to show off. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for doing this. I think it's important what you're doing, and in, um, I think it makes artists come to life for people when they can hear them and get to know more about behind the scenes. Well, thank you. That's my intention. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Local Hearted Podcast with Black Mountain art teacher and artist, Laurel Bacon. And if you are someone who has been considering taking art lessons, even if you have absolutely no art experience, I would highly encourage you to check out Laurel's classes. I hope this episode has convinced you to give it a try. When I started with Laurel, I had absolutely no art experience. And... Several months with Laurel brought me to a place that I was very satisfied with. So hopefully the same will happen for you. And to highlight, as I said, what an active artist Laurel is, what an active person she is, I'm going to give you the rundown of some of her upcoming classes and events for the rest of the year. And as I like to say, we are in the year 2016 as are these events. On Thursday, October 6th, Laurel will be teaching a silk scarf painting workshop at Lake Toxaway, North Carolina. And then on Saturday, October 8th, Laurel will be teaching a scratchboard workshop at 310 Art in Asheville, North Carolina. From Wednesday, October 19th through Saturday, October 22nd, Laurel will be painting in the Battle of the Brushes, which is a plein air painting competition. The awards reception is Saturday, October 22nd from 4 to 6 p.m. The public is invited to attend at the Arrowwood Gallery in Old Fort. The work will hang in the gallery through November 16th. Laurel will also be showing her paintings and her painted silk scarves at the Ali Bazaar 
at the Lifelong Learning Institute on the grounds of UNCA Asheville. That will be held November 11th and 12th. Then, on Saturday, December 3rd, she will be doing a mini alcohol ink workshop from 10 o'clock until noon, and that will be held at 310 Art in Asheville. And also at 310 Art, on December 10th, which is a Saturday, Lorel will be holding a colored pencil workshop for all levels. So there are many opportunities between now and the end of the year to learn from Laurel. And if you are listening to this beyond the year 2016, I highly encourage you to check out her workshops and classes at her own website at laurelbacon.com. Until next time, this is Meredith Adler for the Local Hearted Podcast. And the podcast theme music is courtesy of and copyrighted by Jamie Noter Thomas. Yeah.